Perfect? Bang on my chest if you think I'm perfect. Go ahead, bang on it. No heart? You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. This is Patchwork Heart Ministries Young Catholics Respond, brought to you by Breadbox Media. Now, here's your host, Bill Snyder. Thanks, Adam, and thanks to all of you who have joined us today for this episode of Young Catholics Respond. I am Bill Snyder, and we have a wonderful program for you today. Today, my guest is Matt Nelson. Matt is a Catholic apologist from Shaunavon, Canada. He is currently working full-time with Bishop Barron's Word on Fire Ministries and is a mission and outreach consultant. He blogs at reasonablecatholic.com and is a regular contributor to Catholic Answers Online magazine. He is also the author of a new book from Catholic Answers Press, Just Whatever, How to Help the Spiritually Indifferent Find Beliefs That Really Matter. Matt, welcome to the program, and thank you so much for being with me here today on Young Catholics Respond. It's a pleasure to be on with you, Bill. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so Matt, um, tell us a little bit about your story first. Uh, I, I hear that you struggled with uh, the Catholic faith returning to it in 2010, so uh, tell us a little bit about your journey of faith. Yeah, uh, well, I'll tell you what, I'm one of those former fallen away Catholics, uh, which can give our listeners hope. If you know anybody who was raised in a Catholic home and maybe a really good Catholic home where you thought it was impossible that anyone could ever fall away from the faith from that family, well, that was the sort of family that I grew up in. Um, I was, so like I said, I was, I was born into a family where I was baptized as an infant into the Catholic faith and raised in a home where the Catholic faith was really valued. And my parents, you know, they did their best to teach us the faith and raise us to be uh, faithful sons and daughters of the church. And um, my experience of Catholicism growing up was really quite positive, but eventually I went away to university and left mom and dad's home. And pretty soon I was kind of running my own show and succumbed to the influences of the the university uh, climate, which happens so much nowadays. And by the time I was 25, I just, I found myself in a place where um, I had a real hard time buying the claim that Jesus was the divine son of God. And in fact, I going even deeper than that, I had a hard time even seeing God as a loving father. Uh, so I was kind of one of those spiritual but not religious uh, former Catholics. And uh, eventually I was led back to the faith and now here I am, eight years later, uh, writing books defending the faith. So it's been quite the journey. Yeah, what were some of the things, Matt, that um, were the challenges for you as you fell away? What were some of those hot-button issues that 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 kind of led you astray? Sure. Well, I'll tell you what. Like the the first thing is it kind and it kind of happens sort of unconsciously or or subconsciously where you, you know, you leave the authority of your parents' home. And like I said, you're sort of running your own show. Um, for me, I, I really struggled just to be under the authority of a church that I sort of didn't understand. I mean, like I said, my parents did a, did the best they, they could to raise us in a home where we would come to, to know the faith. But looking back, I mean, our, our catechesis was just not what, it uh, perhaps should have been in order to prevent us from understanding why it is that we need a church to keep us on the right path. And so that was one of the big things was just uh, having a hard time with the authority of the church. And 
I was sort of one of those people who saw the Catholic Church as this institution that's been around for a long time, and I, I wondered to myself, well, what does it know about the best way to live? I mean, it seemed a little bit outdated to me. Uh, hmm. Being being in the university culture, I mean, obviously, yeah. um, sexuality is something that is it's it's sort of, but it's everywhere. It's on the billboards. <laughs> yeah. It's on the posters on the wall. It's in the topics of conversation, and so that was naturally one of the big things for me. Was just trying to ask questions about uh, human sexuality and morality because I was I was interested in doing the right thing. I, I definitely still had a conscience. Um, but at the same time, uh, I, I saw some of the teachings of the Catholic Church as maybe overly restrictive, and I wanted to have more rationalization, or, or I should say, more ju- rational justification for the teachings of the Church than I was than I was getting. And so that was another area where I just I just uh, struggled to see the logic behind the Church teachings. Uh, but there there was a lot more, and and really it was just sort of something. Uh, like I say in my book, it wasn't like I wrestled with a whole lot of Catholic uh, um, Catholic arguments for different moral or doctrinal teachings. It was just sort of this gradual falling away, uh, more than anything. Wow. Okay. Well, that's that's uh, very interesting, though, because I think a lot of people here in uh, North America and this modern culture are really struggling with just that. I mean, you know, how do we hold teens? Uh, I'm a Catholic high school youth minister, so you know how do you mm-hmm. hold teens beyond just high school when you have this experience of faith, or you know you go to a conference, or you go to a you know a couple of retreats, a confirmation retreat, whatever it might be, and then you just slowly drift away and drift away and drift away. And if if there's somebody out there listening uh, to to this conversation, just remember that you know uh, you're you're only a couple steps away from returning back to full communion. Of, you know, in the church, right? I mean, those steps are just confession, Eucharist, and and uh, you put those mm-hmm. two steps, and you're and you're right back there. So, um, and, and don't stop seeking. Was were you seeking as well? Like, were you seeking um, to to return to the church at 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 some point? What what was the catalyst that brought you back to the church as a young adult? Um, no, I don't think I was really seeking. Um, I still had members of my family who were who were quite engaged with the faith. Uh, I had one sister who went to university. Um, she became a CCO missionary, which is basically the focus of Canada. So that's the uh, the uh, ministry that largely is on university campuses and is a missionary to university and college students. My sister had a big conversion and became a missionary on campus. And so she was kind of one of the more vocal uh, defenders of Catholicism in my life during those early years of adulthood. And so her and I would engage in conversations from time to time. But thinking back, I mean, I wasn't, it depended on my mood. Sometimes I suppose I was interested in seeking the truth, but a lot of the times I was sort of entering the conversation, already deciding what how I was going to conclude in the end, you know, what I was going to believe and commit to. Um, and so I sort of had to get past that. So I wasn't really actively seeking to justify the Catholic faith so I could become re-engaged with it. But at the same time, at the depth of the human heart is a desire to know the truth about about life's biggest questions. And one of those persistent human questions that's been with us as long as humans have been around is the question of God's existence. And so that was something that I was always interested in talking about. Um, but to be honest with you, a lot of the times these big questions just weren't on my radar. 
eventually, and this is, I'm glad that you said what you did just a minute ago about how often, you know, people are only a step or two away from full re-entry into the Catholic Church. For me, I was one confession away, and that's kind of how it happened. Um, back home, I'm, I, uh, you know, I, I got my first degree um, right out of high school, and I, I worked as a teacher for a couple of years. And I decided that I was going to pursue uh, a, a new career. And so I applied for chiropractic school and got in. And while I was waiting to move out to Eastern Canada, to Toronto, to continue my studies for another four years, I moved back home. And when I was home, people still thought back home, because I was a good faker. If I'd go home, I'd go to Mass, you know, Christmas or Easter or whatever. And if you looked at me, I probably looked pretty pious. But the truth was, even though my body was there, my heart wasn't in it at all. People thought I was still engaged, and so I was invited to come help out at a youth retreat, uh, specifically with music ministry. And it was one of those times where if, the, if that invitation would have been extended to me you know, any other day of the year, I probably would have said no. But for some reason, I reluctantly said yes, thinking I could just go to this youth retreat and help out with the music and kind of stay out of all the spiritual stuff when that came around. Um, but the next thing I knew... A day into that retreat, I found myself really compelled to go and sit down with a priest and really give my first good, complete confession as an adult. That's what I did, and I found myself a completely changed person almost on the spot. Wow, that's beautiful. What a what a wonderful thing. And you know, uh, in 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 your uh, experience, and uh, we just got about I don't know three or four minutes before we take a break here, Matt. Um, okay. What, what, when did the Holy Spirit enter the conversation? Like, when you know, was it really that instant moment in the confessional, uh, where the Holy Spirit was like, okay, I'm gonna empower Matt to go and you know, you know, now preach and teach and and do all this? Was it was it at that moment of conversion, or was it later as it kind of continued to grow inside of you? Oh, I think there was a certain renewal of the seed that had already been planted as a child. Uh, there in the confessional, um, you know, in John's gospel, John chapter 20, verses 21 to 23, Jesus comes to the apostles in the upper room and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he breathes on them and says, whosoever sins you forgive are forgiven them and whosoever sins you retain are retained. And so we know that the Holy Spirit is at work in the confessional. Jesus has given us his word in the Holy Scriptures. And that's what I experienced there when I sat down and had that courage to just say, you know what? A lot of this stuff is really embarrassing, and it's the sort of stuff that I never thought I would, you know, ever share with anybody. But there's something moving me, and I can't really explain it, but there's something moving me to sit down with this priest and just let it all out and trust that God is going to be present in that moment and change me. Um, that was what I did, and to be honest with you, I'm one of those few people that can really say I experienced on the spot a real conversion of heart. But for the next two years, I was really searching. So I, I kind of had this thing change in me in the confessional where suddenly I was recommitted to God and the Catholic Church. But it was, you know, sort of looking back to St. Anselm's uh, maxim from the scholastic years, he said, he said, uh, faith seeking understanding. That is, we believe and then we seek to justify our belief. I had this 
seed of belief planted in the confessional. And then for the next two years, I really had to seek out intellectual answers to find out, do I belong in this church that I really believe is the true church founded by Christ? Um, and do I really be- you know, believe these things? And yeah. so it was sort of like an emotional conversion followed by an intellectual conversion. Very cool. That's that's so amazing. Um, your your journey is just fascinating, <laughs> and uh, I can't wait to talk with you in the second half of this program more, and uh, also talk with you about uh, spiritual indifferentism, which I think you lead, you've left us off in the perfect spot to talk about that. So uh, I'm gonna take a short short break here, Matt, and then when we come back, we'll talk with you further. So this uh, you're listening to Young Catholics Respond. Our guest is Matt Nelson today. Right back after these messages, I'm Bill Snyder. Our Blessed Mother wants only the best for her children and has given us a special place where she promises to help all those who appeal to her motherly love and protection. Telling Saint Juan Diego that here I will alleviate the sufferings of all those who love me and seek my protection. That holy place is now the site of the beautiful Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico City. If you would like to learn more about how you can visit this special place of grace, please visit vivaguadalupe.org for more information. Our Lady may be calling you now. Judy Hare was a bankrupt, homeless, drug-addicted college dropout on the brink of divorce, but is now a seminary graduate and devoted wife and mother of four children. What happened? Find out in her autobiography, Shattered, How God Restored My Heart and Life. Her journey of faith has been called brutally honest, truly inspiring, profound, heartbreaking, and life-changing. Shattered is available now for only $15 on her website, judyhair.com, on amazon.com, or at your local Catholic bookstore. As Judy says, it is never too late to become the person you deserve and desire to be. So stop wishing for change and start doing something about it by reserving your copy of Shattered Today. The Contemplative Stations of the Cross audio devotional is now available from Patchwork Heart Ministry. This devotional features an introduction and overview of the theology, history, and spirituality of the Stations of the Cross by Father Bill Zimmer a priest of the Archdiocese of Chicago, along with an audio version of the Contemplative Stations of the Cross led by author Bill Snyder and the Stabat Mater, chanted in Latin by Marissa Ellison. CDs are $7.99 and digital downloads are only $3.99. Copies may be purchased by visiting patchworkheart.org or calling 424 704 3278. That's 424 704 3278. Do you want to keep your finger on the pulse of Patchwork Heart Ministry? Follow our monthly blog written on our hearts. Simply go to patchworkheartministry.blogspot.com and click subscribe and follow the on screen instructions. That's patchworkheartministry.blogspot.com, then click subscribe. Your heart is always beating, but you never have to think about it. 
Welcome back to Young Catholics Respond. Once again, Bill Snyder. Hey everybody and welcome back to this episode of Young Catholics Respond. I'm Bill Snyder and we're talking today with Matt Nelson. He is a Catholic apologist and just talking about his personal journey and, and reconversion to the Catholic faith in the first half of this interview. But uh, now we're going to talk about his brand new book that's out uh, called Just Whatever. And uh, really the the principles that are behind it is uh, spiritual indifferentism. And, and there's so much of this out there in our modern uh, Judeo-Christian culture here in America and Canada. Matt, what are some of the things that... that you know, it's just plaguing our culture when it comes to spiritual indifferentism, and I can believe whatever I want to believe, or you know, try and figure out this truth whatever way I want to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, one of the defining traits right now of the religious landscape in the United States is what the Pew Research Forum has called the rise of the nuns, and essentially what they're referring to is people who have been surveyed and they do, you know, the Pew is great. They do these, these big rigorous surveys, uh, about all sorts of different aspects of American life. Uh, and what they've found in their studies of religious affiliation in, in the United States is that a full one quarter of Americans today no longer affiliate themselves with any religion whatsoever. So when given the option to choose Catholic Baptist, Muslim, Jewish, whatever, there's also a box that just says none. And a growing number of people, every time these surveys are, are, are being done, are choosing the none box, N-O-N-E. In fact, if you move to, to the younger demographics, you go to the 30 and under demographic, the number of nuns or the percentage of nuns in the United States is now at around 40%. So that's almost half the country, 30 and under. So the landscape tells us a lot about where people are, are at right now as far as how they see religion. They just don't even see it necessary to even identify as what their family raised them as or or whatever. And so, um, you know, literally whatever. Uh, so what I tried to do with the book was keep in mind that this religious indifference exists out there, this failure to think seriously about religious questions and the failure to give God his due. That's kind of how I lay out the general definition of religious indifference, the failure to think seriously about religious questions and the failure to give God his due. So there's both um, an intellectual component and a practical component. But the reality is that people are at different places. There's different forms and different degrees of religious indifference out there. So in the book, I break it down into three common forms that we find in today's society. Did you want me to get into yeah. the specific forms? You know, well, yeah. I mean, it's it's super interesting what you're talking about, and I and I think that um, it's so prevalent. And yeah, I definitely want you to <laughs> you get into it as long as you don't mind uh, giving us a little bit of a spoiler. No, not a problem. I just I wanted to get your permission first because oh, I knew yeah. I was talking for a while there. No, no it's great. Uh, but let's 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 just briefly outline all three forms. I'm going to go really quickly here. So if you need any clarifications, just let me know. So the first form of religious indifference that I discuss in the book and provide solutions for is what I call closed religious indifference, which ref, which which reflects an extreme closed mindedness towards religion. So this is the sort of indifference that we would find in this in skeptical 
people, so atheists or agnostics or even deists who believe God exists, but only the sort of God that would create the universe and then have nothing to do with it afterwards. Um, and so that's called closed indifference. That, those are the people that think all religions are irrelevant and pointless because God just simply isn't around. The second form of indifference that I discuss in the book in part two is called open indifference. So instead of closed, now we're talking about open indifference, which reflects an extreme open-mindedness towards religion. So instead of saying all religions are bunk and pointless to be a part of, open indifference say all religions are equally true and good. And so this is where you'll often find the new age spirituality where people want, they want Jesus. They want his teachings at least. And so they'll take Jesus and they'll say, oh, he was a great spiritual teacher uh, or a great guru who had lots of good things to say, but he was something other than God. He was one on equal footing with, say, other people like Buddha or Muhammad or um, Deepak Chopra, who's a modern New Age personality. That's open indifference. Finally, I talk about denominational indifference, which is a sort of indifference that exists within Christianity itself. And this is just a sort of anti-ecumenical attitude where people think it's not important to recognize that there are serious contradictions between what Christians of different denominations believe. And so they just say, you know what? Doctrine is not important. We don't need to talk about this. We don't need to seek out greater Christian unity. Let's just say we all love Jesus and leave it there and not have any further discussions. But of course, the reality is that Jesus prayed in John chapter 17 for the church to be one that the world might believe. And so the Catholic attitude is we need to charitably seek greater Christian unity with other uh, non-Catholic Christians. So the rejection of that sort of ecumenical attitude is what I call denominational indifference. Beautiful. I mean, it's so well laid out and so logical, which I think a lot of young adults can relate to when you're talking about this. And I think, quite frankly, a lot of them fall into these categories uh, mm-hmm. that are out there because statistics tell us that they do. So what do you what do you do about this? How do you how do you overcome indifference? You know, I mean, I, I'm reminded of when you're talking about this from from the book, from the book of Revelation, where Jesus is saying, you know, if you're lukewarm, I'm just going to spit you out of my mouth. Like, yeah, like, you know, that's what this is. Indifference, indifferentism, lukewarmness. You know, how do we how do we overcome this? Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that we need to do is just remember human nature. And as rational animals, we never really stop thinking. And we never really stop thinking about life's biggest questions. Um, to, like, to steal a phrase from a, an atheist philosopher, Alex Rosenberg, who I quote in the book quite, quite extensively, actually, he calls them life's persistent questions. And I think that's a really good way of putting it is we have these sort of questions that we ask and you find these questions being asked in every era of human history. Questions like, does God exist? Do we really have free will? Is there life after death? Uh, Questions like that. And so I think that what we want to do is get ourselves into a position where we can talk about life's biggest questions because everyone is inherently interested in them. And sometimes people just forget they're interested in those things. Um, And then we have arguments that I lay out in the book that can be used eventually to show why the how we answer those questions has an incredible bearing on how reality really is. And there's a big cost to pay, for example, if God doesn't exist or if 
the God of monotheism, a personal loving God doesn't exist. Um, and so, and, or even if Jesus didn't exist or Jesus wasn't who he claimed to be the, the divine son of God, there's a big price to pay. Namely, we aren't saved. And so, um, and heaven is just sort of a big delusional hope that we have that really is going to amount to nothing. So we need to get to the point where we can talk about these things. My book is kind of to equip people to have responses and have explanations when the time is right for that. But there's a lot of legwork that usually needs to be done first. And it all starts with not being indifferent to what the indifferentist has to say. Asking good questions like, what do you believe about the Catholic Church? And then sitting back and really showing that we're interested in what they have to say. Then we have a starting point and we go from there. Yeah, and you know, that's that's really good. Um, one of the things you said as you were talking there, it really struck me, was some people might forget that they're interested in life's big questions. And and I, I think one of the one of the things that maybe is discouraged is because society does not want us to think about those big questions. When, when you yeah. look at the secular media, when you look at the way we are uh, programmed by society to say, okay, no, live, no, don't think about that. Just live for the here and now, you know, make sure you get this job, make sure you get, you know, the, you know, your kids, your van, whatever, whatever it might be, you know, mm-hmm. um, how do we reinterest people that maybe have forgotten that they are interested uh, or or should be interested in, in thinking about those big questions that there is something maybe beyond them and maybe if they've forgotten to think about it how do we pique their interest is there is there any tips you can give for you know like I, I'd like to call them the sleeping America mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well again I think you know my book was designed to prepare people to confidently enter into those difficult conversations that people maybe don't think they want to have um, I don't I don't know what your experience is Bill but I know for me, on both sides of the fence, both when I was this one of the spiritual but not religious, but also now too, um, speaking to people who are maybe not so engaged in uh, with religion or spirituality, if you give it enough time and you you're able to establish some sort of a rapport with that person where you can have a heart to heart about just about anything, um, they'll start to pour their heart out to you, and when that happens, whether it's about the suffering in their lives uh, or about the happiness that they're failing to find, those questions will come to the surface. Um, but I think what we need to do is be ready to do two things right off the start. We need to be ready to ask questions and to listen way longer than we want to. Um, and so, you know, one of the things I thought about writing this book is who are the people out there who are experts at having conversations with people who don't really care about things that are really sensitive. And I thought right away of the pro-life movement. Pro-life apologists on the streets today are amazing. Um, when I was in Toronto, we we had a lot of friends who were working full-time for the pro-life movement, and my wife even spent a little bit of time out on the streets with them. And they'll go stand in front of a high school or downtown Toronto, and they'll just have some pamphlets in their hand, and maybe a, a sign or two with them. And as people walk by, they ask one question. What do you think about abortion? It's a simple question. But there's, you know, if there's a lot of people that will just walk by. But there's a surprising amount of people who actually engage that question. So we just need to ask simple questions. What do you think about the idea of God? What do you think about the Catholic faith? What do you think about Jesus? And then if we know the answers and we know the arguments from 
books like mine, and there's many other great books out there to be reading as well, um, then we're ready when when called to give an account for what we believe. And, you know, people are just waiting for these good answers. I can't tell you how many times people have said to me, I've never heard an answer like that. That actually makes sense. So we just need to have these conversations and listen first. Amen. Amen, Matt. Uh, I, I wish these interviews could be, you know, twice the length, but unfortunately time flies uh, when you're talking with mm-hmm. a reasonable Catholic like yourself. So uh, that is that is uh, your website, reasonablecatholic.com. But uh, where else can they find your work and, you know, in, invite you to speak and talk and, and all those other good things? Well, I guess my headquarters online would be reasonablecatholic.com, as you've already said, but I'm a regular contributor at the wordonfire.org blog, uh, the Catholic Answers Online magazine, strangenotions.com, and um, yeah, that's about it. So if people want to check those places out, there's my stuff there, but there's a whole lot of other really great authors, writers, and apologists that are uh, coming out with content there as well. Awesome. Uh, thanks so much, Matt. I, again, the book is Just Whatever. Um, it's available through Catholic Answers Press and also anywhere else that you can uh, find it online, you know, Amazon and probably your local Catholic bookstore. So uh, thanks so much again for being here, Matt. It's been a pleasure talking to you and uh, look forward to having you on again sometime. <laughs> thanks so much, Bill. I'd love that. All right. Well, this has been an episode of Young, Ca- Young Catholics Respond. Until next time from all of us here at Patchwork Heart Ministry, keep beating to your Catholic heart. This has been an episode of Young Catholics Respond. For more information about our program or to be a guest, visit patchworkheart.org, email info at patchworkheart.org, or call 424-704-3278. That's 424-704-3278.